जय राधमाधव कुंज बिहारी जय राधमाधव कुंज बिहारी जय गोपी जनवल्लभा जय गिरीवराधारी जय गिरीवराधारी जय गोपी जनवल्लभा जय गिरीवराधारी जय गिरीवराधारी जय यशोदानंदन जय ब्रजजनरंजन जय यमुना तीरवनचारी जय कुंज बिहारी जय यमुना तीरवनचारी जय कुंज बिहारी जय राधमाधव कुंज बिहारी हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे हरे 
हरे रामा हरे रामा 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 हरे हरे जय राधा काला चंजी राधा काला चंजी राधे जय गौरानीताय जय गौरानीताय जय गौरानीताय जय गौरानीताय जय जय प्रभुपाद 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 जय जय प्रभुपाद ताय गौर प्रेमानंदे ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नारायण नमस्कृत नरम चरोत्तम देवी सरस्वती व्यास तथोजय मुदीर नष्टपाएषु अभद्रेशु नित्यम भागवत सेवय भगवतीम श्लोके भक्तिर्भवती नैष्टुकी कृष्णा वासुदेवाय देवकी नंदनाय नंदगोपकुमाय गोविंदय नमो नम रीडिंग फ्रॉम श्रीमद्भागवतम कैंटो वन चैप्टर नाइन टेक्स्ट ट्वेंटी सकाल प्रत्युपिन छंड मृत्यो वाचितूतरायन धर्म प्रवदतस्त सकाल प्रत्युपिनंड मृत्यो वंचितस्तुतरायन धर्म प्रवदतस्त सकाल प्रत्युपि यो योगिनंद मृत्यो वंचितस्तुतरायन धर्म प्रवदतस्त सकाल प्रत्युपि यो योगिनंड मृत्यो वाचितस्तुतरायन धर्म प्रवदतस्त 
ಸಕಾಲ ಪ್ರತ್ಯುಪಿತ ಯೋ ಯೋಗಿನಶ್ಚಂದ ಮೃತ್ಯೋರ್ ವಾಂಚಿತಸ್ತದುತ್ತರಾಯಣ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸ್ಲಿಟರೇಷನ್ ಧರ್ಮ ಆಕ್ಯುಪೇಷನಲ್ ಡ್ಯೂಟೀಸ್ ಪ್ರವದತ ವೈಲ್ಡ್ ಡಿಸ್ಕ್ರೈಬಿಂಗ್ ತಿಸ್ ಸಹ ದಟ್ ಕಾಲ ಟೈಮ್ ಪ್ರತ್ಯುಪಿತ ಎಕ್ಸಾಕ್ಟ್ಲಿ ಅಪಿಯರ್ಡ್ ಯೋಗಿನ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಮಿಸ್ಟಿಕ್ಸ್ ಛಂಡ ಮೃತ್ಯು ಆಫ್ ಒನ್ ಹೂ ಡೈಸ್ ಅಕಾರ್ಡಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಒನ್ಸ್ ಓನ್ ಸೆಲೆಕ್ಷನ್ ಆಫ್ ಟೈಮ್ ವಾಂಚಿತ ಇಸ್ ಡಿಸೈರ್ಡ್ ಬೈ ಟು ಬಟ್ ಉತ್ತರಾಯಣ the period when the sun runs on the northern horizon translation while bhishma dev was describing occupational duties the sun's course ran into the northern hemisphere the period is desired by mystics who die at their will parpat the perfect yogis or mystics can leave the material body at their own sweet will at a suitable time and go to a suitable planet desired by them in the bhagavad gita it is said that the self realized souls who have exactly identified themselves with the interest of the supreme lord can generally leave the material body during the time of the fire god's effulgence and when the sun is in the northern horizon and thus achieve the transcendental sky in the vedas these times are considered auspicious for quitting the body and they are taken advantage of by the expert mystics who have perfected the system perfection of yoga means attainment of such supermental states as to be able to leave the material body as desired yogis can also reach any planet within no time without a material vehicle the yogis can reach the highest planetary system within a short time and this is impossible for the materialist even attempting to reach the highest planet will take millions of years at the speed of millions of miles per hour this is a different science and bhishma dev knew well how to utilize it he was just waiting for the suitable moment to quit his material body and the golden opportunity arrived when he was instructing his noble grandsons the pandavas he thus prepared himself to quit his body before the exalted lord shri krishna the pious pandavas and the great sages headed by bhagwan vyasadev and all their great souls om agyanan divyandasa gyanan jayashalakaya chakshur unmilitam yenam tasmay shri guruve namaha so as we see in this chapter and purport it is seen that actually uh it, it is seen that uh as bhishma dev is describing all the transcendental occup- uh, duties and occupation a vaishnava and a karma yogi also has to do he realized that 
as you know, Bhishma Dev waited, waited in the battlefield. Arjuna had actually put him on a bed of arrows. And he had waited for the moment of this time to come to quit his body. To give an example, actually, scientifically, I can give you a little example what is actually meant. And this is actually talked upon by astrology or Jyotisha, what we say. Actually speaking, if you think about it, even earth has a resonant frequency from a material science perspective, you know, it is at 7.83 hertz. So every planet, as we say, transcendental sound vibration, everything in this universe has a resonant frequency or sound. Just as we chant Mahamantra or we chant Bhagwan's name or we chant Om, it also has a resonant frequency. As it said, Brahma has created everything by sound vibration. The whole universe itself is created by sound. All elements are also created by sound. If you even want to go from a material science perspective, if one studies physics or chemistry, they will know that every element in the periodic table also has a resonant frequency. So, all of this is all related. Now, when it comes to actually this description, what, what as Prabhupada has mentioned in the purport, there is a distance which is covered actually from each planet, right? We know from a material plane when we measure a distance from sun, moon, different planets, right? But there are seven planetary systems on top of us, right? There is, we are in Bhuloka, there is Bhuvarloka, there is Suvarloka, Maharloka, Janaloka, Tapaloka and Satyaloka. And above that is Goloka, Vaikuntaloka, right? So, in our Shastra it is mentioned that, you know, there are, so, the Vedic system of measurement of distance is given by Yojanas. And one Yojana is approximately 7.7 miles. So, if you look at it, Swargaloka is about about 10 million Yojanas. Maharloka is double of that, is about 20 million Yojanas. Janaloka is about 80 million. Tapaloka and Brahmaloka goes to about 120 million Yojanas. And after that, you have to cross Viraja Nadi, which comes is Vaikuntaloka and Goloka planet. Now, if you think about it, to go from one place to another, it also takes time. As we know, generally we say in Ashastra is six months in demigod period is equal to one day here. So, uh, sorry, reverse way around. So, similarly, if you want to travel to somewhere, one has to have the vehicle medium and also your body has to be able to travel. I know there is a lot of nowadays science fiction which happens about time travel and everything. But this has already been existent before. So, what even in this purport is said and according to our Jyotisha too, travel can only happen when your body is also able to... Uh, our. So, if you think about it, we live in earth. And in earth, the composition of earth is about 70% water. If you think about our body, our body is also similarly the same way. If one has to reside in a particular planet, their body composition has to be able to sustain that. So, that is how our body is made up today, of five elements. We say earth, water, fire, air and ether. These are the fundamental components of material you know, existence and our body is made up of those. Without Jivatma, our body will also decay and become back to the same. So, similarly, if one wants to go and reside in other planets, one has to actually have that kind of a body. And that's why we also say, to go to uh, Bhagawan's abode, it has to be a body which, also, which is not perishable. <laughs> so that is the understanding. So, 
but in terms of time as it is said material uh, material travel is possible from one place to another technology is made but it is not easy for the the transcendental yogi as you see here bhishma dev is not an ordinary materialist he is a stalwart vaishnava himself and he is waiting for the right opportune moment not for he is creating an example for all other people who are following this mystic path bhishma dev when he looks as i have explained in the previous classes that he actually when he is lying in this bed of arrows he is composing vishnu sahasranamam and looking at lord krishna and chanting the, the thousand names it is it is not fathomable for every one of us to compose one name of bhagwan in that state so only out of love he is able to compose those names so his bhavam is very different he is not about he already knows he is in a liberated state this is kind of call of jeevan mukta as what we say this is not a term to be used for uh, ordinary people like us this is only for stalwart vaishnavas and acharyas who are present like the six goswamis of vrindavan and others who are already in a liberated state like this so bhishma dev waiting to show here is just waiting for the right opportune moment only to create an example for those people who may follow this path of mysticism where the yogi may want to attain that particular time to quit his body and he will go and these are auspicious times which are present actually mentioned in the shastras itself right so every abode actually it is said that i mean just to give a little idea right every loka has a different frequency you know it is said surya loka is about is the the frequency of surya loka is about 6.6 gigahertz saptarishi loka is 1.73 Uh, then you have maharloka at 9.3 uh, and you have janaloka which is 2. it's about 2.26 in 10 to the power of 6 gigahertz so every free, every loka's frequency actually becomes increasing and why is this i'm just going a more scientific to explain because many people today's world are interested in science the reason is because if you think about it like a microscope right if someone has a uh, uh, if one can see and a uh, uh, magnifying glass like 1 cm he can look everything from 1 cm to like a 1 km so the higher the frequency you know in science it is said v is equal to f lambda right which is inverse of frequency so the higher the frequency the resolution is much more finer so those who are top can see what we are doing but we cannot see what's happening there so bhagwan can see everything what is happening here we don't have the eyes this is there is a aspect of science behind it too uh religion and science go hand in hand it is not against each other <laughs> so you know vedic science does not negate uh, the normal science it is just that it is far more advanced but of course it is not visible to us and this is known by astronomers too right i mean you may want to travel light years you may want to look from there and everything like this so this is just a little bit of the aspect of explanation right but actually to give what bhagwan krishna is telling uh, in this as uh, the conversation is going and bhishma dev is actually explaining it is very nice to see right so as uh, it is mentioned here see the the quitting in the northern horizon as it said so on the jivatma quits the soul you know he basically goes from light to day 
then he goes from day to bright half of the moon. This is how the actual Jivatma for a mystic yogi quits in this way. Right? Then the Jivatma goes from there to Uttarayana. Then he goes to the year of the sun. Then from there he goes to the uh, he goes to the moon to the lightning and then he goes to Brahman and then now Brahman should not be considered as effulgence Brahma Jodi. This is a path which the Jivatma takes, right? And then basically it goes and traverses all these different lokas and then ascends to Goloka Vaikuntha Loka. So this is how the path of the mystic yogi who practices this goes. Now the question will always come is what about those who are following Bhakti Yoga, right? For the bhakti yogi, it is the same. The best example you can give is uh, uh, a lion cub. Uh, 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 the example is given is when a mystic yogi decides to do this, he also has to have blessing of Bhagawan, because one should understand you cannot enter Bhagawan's abode by cheating him. <laughs> you can follow all what you want, but without bhakti. You cannot enter the loka to go to Bhagavan Krishna's abode. So you can follow all the different practices and you may go to Tapa Loka and Satya Loka and then you may have to stay there. And then if you if you go from there, you may have the ability to go back to Lord Krishna's abode. So the difference aspect of the Bhakti Yogi, as Krishna says, is one who remembers me as time of quitting of the Vedh is I guide him. So the example given is, a monkey's a child of the monkey has to hold its mother, whereas the lion cub lifts its child by its neck. So for the bhakti yogi, the Lord just guides him like that. So that is the path which is taken. So Bhagwan is there to guide us as a bhakti yogi who remembers thinking of Bhagwan at the time of his death. So one should not think that uh, what time, because for the true person who is a bhakti yogi who is always Dedicated to thinking about Bhagavan's lotus feet, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will say, Asplisyava Padaratam Pinashtumam. Whether you accept me, reject me, I will still be always thinking of you. So the Bhakti Yogi should always be thinking of Bhagavan's feet. Whatever may be there, like Prahlada. Doesn't matter, he says, Bahir Narsimo, Hirdeir Narsimo. Whether you are inside or outside, you are always within me and I always think of you. Narsimam Sharanam Prapadye. That means I am surrendered to you. So that is why one aspect of uh, going back to Bhagwan is Karpanyam. Uh, the word Karpanyam in Sanskrit is utter meeknessness. Means utter helplessness and meeknessness is required. Even Bhishma Dev, though he is uh, showing that the time has come to quit his body, actually he is only still thinking of Bhagwan, looking at his face. And that is his surrender he has. The, the coincidence of him, the Uttarayana coming is a coincidence which has happened. But actually, for him, the most important aspect is Bhagwan Krishna is present in front of him. So this is the aspect of, you know, just to give an idea of how science and Vedic science are all intersected and related to each other. And this is the deeper aspect of how a Jivatma also has to travel. Even today we are in a material body. We quit today. It's not like in snap of a second you go there. It takes time to traverse. <laughs> that is what it is said in the Shastra. Even Garuda Puran actually explains, where Garuda explains, and Yamaraja is said, right? And 
Many people question, do you have to go through Yamaraj? Yeah, I mean, the Jivatma who's following Bhakti Yoga, the Jivatma who's going back to his abode, is actually all Devatas welcome him. But the Jivatma doesn't want to stay. <laughs> he will actually pass through all these places. But because he knows his ultimate goal is to go back, he will not stay those places. He's already realized. So that is the path of a self-realized uh, Jivatma in this case. The other aspect is this, right? Uh, thinking of Bhagawan is something must always be done. And as we know, we celebrated Sri Krishna Janmashtami, right? Couple of days ago. What Bhishma Dev is explained to Pandavas is actually always thinking of him. In fact, in fact, Bhishma Dev may externally be looking as a Kshatriya, but actually he's always been, he knows who Bhagawan is, always thinking of him. So one of the best example we can say, right, is Mother Yashoda, right? I mean, when the pastime happens where Vasudev comes and drops Lord Krishna over and she is completely exhausted with the childbirth and she's sleeping, right? But she actually remembers when she sees at that time, uh, you know, and that though she's completely given birth, but she, for a second she remembers this, that this is Bhagwan who has come here as my son. But of course, due to the pain of child labor, she falls asleep actually. And next day what happens is Nanda Maharaj goes and celebrates, you know, that, hey, I have a son which is born. So, the talk of pastimes of Bhagawan is what is important. And if you think about it, Bhagawan only comes to give us this uh, mercy or karuna. Why? Because to purify ourselves. So, one best example is given is Putana, Right? Though Putana came, it so happened, of course, we know that Kamsa was de- figured out that Krishna is already born everywhere. And then he decided to send Putana to kill all the children who were born because he was in- indiscriminate to kill. And what happened is so much is uh, Putana came to Rohini and uh, Yashoda and she decided that she wanted to kill baby Krishna. Well, who can kill Lord Krishna? He is Aja, he is unborn. Uh, as we know, this is the third time he actually takes birth, right? Because uh, Devaki and Vasudev, first time when Bhagawan decides to take avataram, he comes as Srinigarbha. Uh, uh, and second time he comes as son of Kashyapa and Duti. And third time he now comes as Vasudeva and Devaki's son. So the difference is, we cannot choose our parents. Because of our karma, we are put in a situation. Bhagawan chooses who has to be his parents when he has to take avataram. That is the difference actually. That is, that is his, his uh, mercy for those jivatmas who decides who should be his parents when he comes. So, it so happened that Putana decides to uh, kill uh, you know, all the babies indiscriminately. And then she finally comes to Nanda Maharaja's house. So, she of course smears poison, uh, you know, to basically let Krishna suckle him. And of course, in this process, what happens is, Krishna goes and immediately it is said that when uh, Krishna comes close to him, he closes, baby, Krishna closes his eyes. Different interpretation are given to this, of course, in the Shastra. Uh, as we know, we have read it. Many people say that, yes, she, uh, it is not that Lord Krishna is afraid. 
Putana, she took the position as a nurse or as a mother because she was planning to nurse Krishna, though she was a Rakshasi. And she decided, she got this opportunity to take the position of a mother. So obviously, in Shastra, even it is said that uh, killing uh, women, children is not recommended at all, actually. So, uh, Bhagavan has never broken or gone against Shastra. Even when he took any avataram or he came as Lord Rama or as Krishna, he is always kept according to the laws. So what happened is, of course, he closes his he closes his eyes in one of the interpretations, as Acharyas have said, because he does not want to give that disrespect, right? Because he is about to take her life away. So as soon as Lord Krishna suckles Putana, he also suckles her life hair out. And she immediately screams and she dies. Now, because she took this position of being a mother to nurse, she actually uh, got the position of being liberated. And of course, immediately when she dies, her body expands to become a Rakshashi, which is like 12 miles. And uh, immediately, uh, Rohini and uh, Yashoda lift baby Krishna up. They take a day, put up to a... Put him to a bath with cow urine. They circumambulate the cow's tail and they chant Veda, Vedic mantras, right? So one nice song which says, right, uh, which actually describes in a different way, right? Uh, so Yashoda says, you know, she starts praising the different avatarams of, of Krishna itself, right? She says, Narasimhavamana Sri Madhusudana so actually she starts praising, I've just, this is a song written, but of course she starts praising all the different avatarams of Lord Krishna. So Lord Krishna as a baby is able to annihilate Putana. Now of course in the course of this, Putana's body goes away. And of course, the, what the villagers do, Nanda Maharaj, they actually cut up, you know, because it's a body now, and they cut up Putana's body. And they start burning it just like in our in our tradition. But what is interesting is this, when they actually burn Putana's body, it emanates fragrant aroma. And the reason for this is because she became liberated. So all that sinful karma which she had got, it is completely removed by Krishna when she actually, when he actually killed her. So actually, if you know, a dead body, if it's burned, will be decomposing and smell very badly. But not in Putana's case. So actually, it is said that it was, it was emanating fragrant aroma. Because our body smells like this because of our connection with the material nature. The moment it becomes removed from all sinful aspects, then no trace of any other karma is present and it becomes purified. So this is how Putana, of course, uh, in the course of this, she got liberated. Of course, it is not desired that we should be like this. Our mode of service should always be to serve Krishna and Bhagavatas and think of him like how Bhishma Dev has done, right? So that that is important. I will just say one other pastime because... Uh, Sri Radhashtami is coming uh, in about two weeks. So, of course, 
one of the pastimes some people must have heard is it's in it's it's a, it's a nice poem written by Mukta Charita by Raghunadas Goswami, right? And actually, it is about how pearls were grown once. So you know, of course, as Krishna grows, uh, all the gopis are there, and once they go to Malayakunda, Malayaharakunda, right? So and there, the gopis are actually stringing nice pearl necklaces. And it so happens that Krishna and his gopas go there and they find out what they are doing. They said that we are stringing all different kinds of pearl necklaces. So uh, Krishna says, I want, you know, Krishna is still a boy, you have to understand. So he says and goes basically saying that I want to have some pearls from you guys because they are so beautiful pearls. So it so happens that uh, the gopis deny them actually basically saying, so he says pearls are very precious. We can't just part them away and you want to decorate them to the cows. So then Krishna goes and says that, hey, at least can you give me pearls for two cows, his two favorite cows. Uh, but the gopis actually, uh, they kind of deny him basically saying, okay, you know, no, we can't give all this. So of course, baby Krishna goes and backs to mother Yashoda and uh, he basically goes, she basically says, you know, they gave me, I mean, actually the gopis give a little bit of pearls actually over to Mother Yashoda, to Krishna, and he goes back and says, they gave me some pearls, so can I grow them? But then Mother Yashoda explains to baby Krishna that pearls do not grow in the ground, right? They grow actually in the oyster, you know, in the ocean, actually. That's how they are. So, Krishna takes those pearls, and what he decides is, he basically goes and plants them in the ground, actually. And he actually goes and waters them with milk. Initially, a small sprout comes. And the gopis laugh at him actually. They, they say this sprout and say, hey, this is, uh, this is basically, uh, yeah, it's a thorny bush actually. It's like, comes very, very small. But then eventually what happens is Krishna keeps watering and it starts growing as a beautiful creeper. And it starts, uh, giving very fragrant and very multicolored gems. So, immediately, uh, the gopis are very astounded. What Krishna does is, he basically starts making the pearls and he starts decorating his cows. When the gopis see this, actually, they get very astonished and they say, you know, it's it's a little bit of competition, you can say, right, in a playful way. So, the gopis go and ask and they basically say, can we have some? Krishna says, no, I'm not giving anything at all. So, they go back to their home, they go to their parents and all. they ask all these different pearls from their parents. They put everything in the ground and they basically put curd, yogurt, ghee, everything they plant it and they put it. Initially a small bush comes, it's quite thorny initially. They keep watering more but eventually in the end all that pearls, everything is gone in the ground and everything is thorny only. So now the problem is the, uh, Krishna, the, the gopis go back and say now what we should we do because we took all these pearls from our families and they are going to come back to us and scold us. So uh, they go back to Krishna and they send. But what Krishna does is he, de- he decides not to give them first. He makes all beautiful pearl necklaces and he puts it across every cow, every goat, every animal, every monkey, everyone in Vrindavan actually has a pearl necklace, actually. He puts it across everyone. <laughs> he doesn't give anything to them. Uh, of course, finally, uh, you know, Subala is coming as a medi- mediator because there is there is a standstill, right? They send Vishaka Gopi, they say, give take gold with you to barter for these pearls, right? Because these pearls are very precious. Of course, there is a standstill negotiation, right? There is no comparison of value to this. 
So finally Subala comes and just to shorten the the whole Leela itself, right? Eventually they decide, uh, Krishna says one by one, he will make a pearl necklace, he makes it, he puts it in a box, he gives it to Radharani and the other gopis, right? And so basically this is one pastime. The most important aspect of this is the creeper of devotional service, right? Has to be watered with love and affection for Krishna. It may sound very funny that, you know, pearls can go, yes. Similarly, chanting Bhagawan's name or having love should also be watered with love and affection. That is the aspect of chanting holy names of Bhagawan. And that is what will take us to his abode. Uh, and I would like to say is, the passing away of Bhishma Dev is not ordinary, right? His chanting of Bhagawan's name and Vishnu Sahasranam is with love and affection. We should have that same love and affection to call for him when we chant his names. Then only our devotional service will not become thorny creepers, but bloom into beautiful gems. That's what one should take actually from that Leela actually. And it should be always continuously watered. It is not something which should just be said, we water once today, we stop. Like I have told before the example, you cannot stop loving your, you know, your family, your child. It's not like you love today more or today less. Love <laughs> is always there. So you have to continuously water. And that is what is important in this Leela. So similarly, we had Krishna Janmashtami. Yes, it is wonderful aspect of avataram of Lord Krishna coming for us. But our love should not decrease after one day, two day. We should continuously chant for him, do service to him and offer to him. And then the goal is, is to quit our... Because eventually... The, the aspect of why you have to understand why in Bhagavatam 2, Bhishma Dev's passing is given so much importance because uh, the end test for all of us is to go back to his abode after this body. So whatever we have to do as devotional service, we have to continue. But then eventually is think about him to go back to his abode. So I'll just end today's class with this. So Hare Krishna, any comments, questions or thoughts? Right. So, Prabhuji, in this verse, actually, if you think about it, when uh, initially when Bhishma Dev actually even describes when Yudhishthira asks, right, the question actually, this whole aspect of passing of Bhishma Dev comes in Mahabharata written, he is coming through when Yudhishthira asks his Kimevatam Daivatam Loke Kimva Ki Paranam, he asks, who should I worship? What should I do? What should be karma yoga practice? Because, so the dharma of occupational duties is that what Kshatriyas has to do, what Brahmanas has to do. So, Bhishma Dev actually in a deeper context, he explains what, how a Brahmana, Vaishya, Shatra, Shudra should be present actually in doing those karmas. Because, he always explains to Yudhishthira as Pandavas that, you know, one cannot go away, just like what Krishna told Arjuna, you cannot abstain from your karma. So the detail aspect of dharmam is as a king. Because, a, you know, as a individual, our dharma is maybe at a, what you call it, a local level. But the king has a lot more aspect from a dharma. So those are the occupational diseases in this context which actually 
Bhishma is explaining to Pandavas and Yudhishthira actually. So that, that is the aspect of dharma. What is that? Is the Chandamrti or? Prabhuji, I think we know that because of the aspect of the fact that uh, we know he's one of the eight Vasus and when his father, right, basically uh, in this case, I mean, I've told this before, but, you know, his father wanted to marry someone else, right, and of course in this case is, uh, he was the first in line in succession, right, so he was the person. But of course, uh, I forget her name, uh, Satyavati, yeah, Satyavati. So basically, she has a condition that if your first line born is there, my son cannot become the king. So Bhishma Dev then takes a vow, basically saying that I cannot, uh, I will give up my right to the throne and be a celibate and unmarried. Because being, uh, giving up the right is not enough. Also being celibate is important. Because if you have a progeny, there will be conflict. So that's when his father basically gives the vow to, uh, the boon to him, saying that basically you can quit your body at the time of your desire. So that's what it is. Yes, so it is, yes, it is. So actually, uh, uh, what is the right word in uh, Sanskrit? It's called, uh, uh, I'm not able to get that word. Uh, just like uh, you could, huh? Yes, dutiful to his father is very important. Or even Parshurama, what he did, right? Without a question, he actually took the fa- word of his father, right? And followed the instruction, right? And similarly, like Lord Rama, when Dasharada said he has to leave, he just decided to abandon his kingdom and do, right? For what Kaikai decided. So, and of course, because of that, he got the boon for, you know, quitting his body. Any other thoughts or comments? Or you want to share something, Prabhu? Yeah. Uttarayana, yes, correct. Correct. Krishna himself, correct. Correct. No, that is true. Well, well, it is said in Purusha Suktam that Chaksho Suryo Ajayataha. Actually, the sun and the moon are like eyes of Bhagavan. So actually, wherever Bhagavan is present, <laughs> that is where sun is present. So that's a good way of what you heard is the bo- Uttara, correct. That is right. Uttarayana. Okay, very nice. No, no, it's very, it's a very nice, yeah, very good context. Okay, if that will end today. So, Vrindraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki chai.